This is the PR Podcast, a show about how public relations helps you tell your story to the world. We talk with great PR practitioners who have the skills, creativity, and just plain savvy to get their clients noticed. Now here's your host, Jody Fisher. Hey everyone, and welcome to the PR Podcast. I'm Jody Fisher. Thanks for joining us. Well, we've started a new feature here. If you've listened to the show last couple of weeks, you've heard it. It's called the PR Podcast Plug. It's where we spotlight a PR pro's passion project. Now that could be your newsletter. It could be your blog, your Twitter spaces, chat, something that you love, something that you do that isn't your day-to-day. It's not your nine-to-five. It's something you do in your spare time. Um, and, and we want to spotlight those passion projects that we all have. So if you want to get plugged, send us a DM to the PR podcast on Twitter. We'll slide you into the top of an upcoming episode. It's a great way to promote yourself and what you love to do. We also want you to be a guest on the PR podcast. Send us a DM on Twitter as well. Again, at the PR podcast. Tell us why you should be a guest, some topics you want to talk about, and we'll sign you up. You know, we have two basic types of guests here on the PR podcast. One are PR professionals like me. Uh, where we talk about how we interact with news media, how we pitch reporters, how we do our jobs. We also interview, and this is really important, news decision makers. So that's reporters, editors, photographers, videographers, uh, all, all the people who are sort of in the newsroom or out in the field making the decisions on the way news gets covered and the way news gets made. Uh, and we want to understand their decision-making process as well. So if you've got thoughts or a role in that process, we want to know, we want to have you on the podcast. Again, send us a DM to the PR podcast uh, on Twitter, and we will get you into an upcoming episode. Speaking of terrific guests, we got a great one this week. Let's get right into it. Meredith Garfalo is a certified broadcast meteorologist and a science and space journalist for News 12 Long Island. Over her 14 years in broadcast, she has worked in Chicago, Ohio, South Dakota, Florida, California, and Denver before landing her most recent gig here in New York. She's covered hurricanes, tornadoes, tropical storms, wildfires, snowstorms, and more. She was the 2021 chair for the AMS Station Scientist Committee, which focuses on raising greater awareness and outreach for science education. She's also covered space launches, and this is where we're really going to connect, at Vandenberg Air Force Base in Cape Canaveral, NOAA's GOES-R and JPSS satellite series, and even interviewed astronauts aboard the International Space Station. I'm jealous. She's been (laughs) awarded the favorite weathercaster of the year and supports a variety of nonprofits and charities. Meredith, welcome to the PR Podcast. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here, and Thank I'm you. glad I had some sunshine to go with our recording today. On cue, of course. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you put in a good word, right? Yes. You probably won't like the weather tonight, but we won't focus on that. <laughs> All right. We won't focus on that. So when, how did you get into meteorology and, and science, and when did you realize that you wanted to go into this business? It's a story that has been my whole life, actually. So I was just three years old. And it's funny because we don't remember much from our childhood sometimes, but I remember this like it was yesterday. My mom was telling me the story of surviving one of the biggest tornado outbreaks in history, which was the super outbreak, April 3rd and 4th, 1974. Friends across the Midwest might remember that. You probably heard about it. It uh, was the tornado that wiped out the town of Xenia, Ohio, which is near Dayton, Ohio. Uh, just absolutely heartbreaking. And my mom actually saw that tornado form, uh, was survived it, and then saw 
the destruction, the whole neighborhood she was living in. There were very few houses that were actually left standing. Hers was actually one of the only ones that was. And something about the way she told me the story just sparked things deep inside of me. And I always believe in serendipity and things happening for a reason. So I feel like that was what got me bitten by the weather bug. And I grew up reading as many books as I could check out from the library on tornadoes and weather. I would be watching Noah and space and science cassette tapes because back in then, or VHS tapes actually, because back then that's, you know, what I grew up on. And so I just tried to learn as much as I possibly could. And it's literally something that I waited for my whole life to get into. And since I was always a performer, because as you can tell, I'm very shy, I, you know, would sing and dance. And so my family's like, she's got to be on TV. And that's also a very critical role too, because it's television broadcasters that help save lives and are communicating when there's bad weather and dangerous weather and have to be trusted by the public. So that was something I just decided I wanted to do. And I'm literally living my childhood dream. That is, that is a terrific calling. You know, you mentioned there the connection between weather and saving lives, right? And, and doing things like forecasting a tornado, a, a life-altering event like that. Um, you know, I think people typically think of the weather as the thing that comes on after the news, but many times the weather is the news and it can have life-altering impacts, just like you talked about. What is your approach to how you deliver um, a forecast and sort of how you pack it with useful information that goes beyond you know, how warm it's gonna be today or whether or not it's gonna rain? Right. Well, I think, you know, you, you mentioned like life-changing events and one that I believe Long Islanders will remember most recently was the Long Island tornado outbreak in November. And on November 13th, we had six tornadoes across the island from Nassau County all the way up to Suffolk County. And these were destructive tornadoes. And when you think of tornado outbreaks in November, you don't think of Long Island, New York. And I myself and Craig Allen, another meteorologist at News 12, we were the only two meteorologists in the entire New York City market that stayed on from the first tornado warning to the last to warn people and to keep them safe. And that was an event that could have really been disastrous. These were fast moving tornadoes. You couldn't see them because they were rain wrapped yet. At the end of the event, we had no injuries and we had no fatalities. And so I really believe that what we were doing, being live on the air on our trusted local news source, telling people what we were seeing, where the storm was at, where it was headed next, where the damage was already coming in, and, and also sharing videos and pictures as they were coming in to show people, yeah, this is actually happening. And the storms might not be in your communities yet, but they're coming. And this is what we're already seeing. So this is what you can expect. And so the first thing I always do with my forecast, whether it's a crazy event like that, or it's just a daily event is I think if I was turning on the news, if I needed to know, you know, what can I get from someone on television versus an app? You know, it's gotta be trust. I mean, we can look at numbers on an app, but an app's not gonna tell you fun facts about something or go into a little bit more detail or know stuff about your community. So I always try to really tailor my forecast to the people I'm talking about of all ages and what might impact their day, whether it's a weekend and I know there's little league baseball games that are gonna be going on. So people need to know if the weather's gonna be okay for that. Or maybe it's the opening of when we had the UBS arena open and making sure people knew the weather was gonna be safe to get to and from the arena and the weather was going to be warm or cold. I mean, it's little things that 
you know, we think about, but then when you hear somebody actually saying to them and connecting with you, sort of like a friend, like somebody that you know, that's how I really like to tailor my broadcast. I want people to watch me on the news and feel like we've been friends for years. I want them to trust me. I want them to be comfortable with me, but also know I'm just like them. The only difference between my job and theirs is I'm just seen by millions of people every single day, but I'm still just like everybody else. That is a fantastic perspective. And you've got to be to that end of sort of informing people, letting people know about these um, exceptional weather events, however exceptional they may be, right? Um, you're, you're working with, with the other colleagues in the newsroom to integrate that information into the broadcast on a daily basis, right? It's, and and what, I'm, what I mean by that is not just, again, like the weather report that comes after the news and the, and the sports and everything else, but actually pushing weather up into the into the main part of the broadcast right exactly when there's something that's you know concerning um you know we have branding at our station which is good because if something's different we make sure to do a branding to catch people's attention and i make sure my producers know we have to lead with weather we need weather near the top because this is going to impact people whether it is going to be really cold bitter blast as we call it that's moving in or whether it is going to be like tonight a risk for you know strong to damaging winds overnight when people are going to sleep and because it's following an event where we had really heavy snow and if people's tree branches aren't trimmed if there are dead trees are on the last verge and they're not taking care of it that could be a serious problem as we go overnight now you're not only in the studio you're out in the field and i know you you're wearing your thunderbolt 12 hat there which is which is the, uh, the mobile unit that News 12 Long Island has that, that goes out in the area. Um, you're, you're typically reporting from, you know, remote out in the field as well as in the studio? Majority of my time's in the studio, but because I really love being out in Thunderbolt 12 or out in the communities, if there's an opportunity, my news directors know they can come to me and ask me because I feel as important as it is to convey a message on air. It's also important to be out and to show people why they shouldn't be out. And I know some people are like, well, there's really bad weather. Why are you out? Well, my photographer is trained. He's very good at driving in the snow. Our truck can handle it, but not everybody's going to. So we're going out there. One, if we definitely know it's still safe for us with all the precautions we're taking. And also two, to show people like I'll go out and if there's ice on the sidewalk, I will safely just kind of put my foot across it to show it. this is really slippery because I feel like we're all visual people and we all like stories. And when the story is going to be what's happening and you can see what's happening, I can reach people much faster than, you know, just just reporting something with a graphic. I recall those days myself when I was a reporter riding around doing snow reports and doing <laughs> flooding reports and doing hurricane reports. So uh, I, I've been where, where you are as well. And, and I think there is value in that, despite some people saying, well, why are you out there? I, there is, that's your job. That's what you yes. do. You go out and you, it's your job to report, to show people why perhaps they shouldn't go out and why it's safer at home. Um, how are you choosing the locations that you choose to go to? And is there a function where um, a PR person like myself or another entity might say, hey, if you're covering this today, you might want to come to this location because does that ever happen? Or are you just choosing those yourself? Well, a lot of times it, it'll happen. It depends. Uh, for example, I try to network with um, the local emergency managers, if there's a big event coming up, for example, we had the cold spell, I was calling Nassau County and saying, okay, let's come to a warming shelter. 
So we're actually at a location and then they would call in the fire marshal and have people for me to talk to, to really help enhance the story. Because I just did a seminar on storytelling and the importance of it, because I can tell a story really good, but if I can have other people and other elements to help me tell the story and to tie all the loose ends, then that's the most effective story. And that's what people are going to listen to when they see a law enforcement officer up there saying, yeah, it's really cold. And if your family is not safe at home because it's too cold, just know you guys can come here to a warming shelter. You know, just little things like that, but it's just ways to enhance the story. So sometimes I'll do my research ahead of time and figure out where to go. Sometimes I get a call and they're like, oh, we've got a, an idea for you. And sometimes when I, my first, not actually my first day in Thunderbolt 12, I got a tip that there was a tree that went down into a house. And so my photographer and I hopped in Thunderbolt 12. We went over to Massapequa and literally this old tree fell into a house and was literally steps away from crashing into the bedroom where the gentleman who lived there was sleeping. But that was my story because that was the concern the whole time, but to have the visual and be able to really show people, this is why we're telling you like, these winds are no joke and it takes one gust in the wrong direction. I mean, had that been more to the North that would have been right in his bedroom and he, that could have been a serious situation. So it's just things like that you have to think of and how to best tell the story to reach people at home and to get them intrigued and interested about what you're saying. I love that approach. It's, it really is all about storytelling. And, and when I chat with other PR people and with other clients that I have, I, I urge them to take that view news is and weather is part of news it's all about storytelling it every story starts with a person right so using your example you know yes you're going to talk about the weather but to show the person who was impacted by the weather is even more powerful right and then that makes it also relatable i mean people can relate to me but they can relate to neighbor joe who looks just like their neighbor on their street who has a house just like their house and this is what happened to him. So if it can happen to neighbor Joe, it can happen to me too. So I better go out and trim my trees now because I don't want that to be me next time. I, I hear a lot of people firing up their chainsaws right now. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's pivot a little bit and talk about this because again, this, this is an interest of mine as well. Your interest in space. Um, and, and you know, there's, there is a, a connection here between um, meteorology and space, because we need weather satellites to do that. But you go way deeper than that. Tell us about your interest in space and where that comes from. Well, it took me a little late in my career to get bitten by the space bug, as we like to call it. Um, I was in Denver before here working for Weather Nation, so national TV or national meteorology company, just like uh, Weather Channel or AccuWeather. And so I had access to doing a lot of national stories. And uh, in Colorado is Lockheed Martin, which manufactures our GOES weather satellites. If you're not familiar, the GOES weather satellite, they are our next generation satellites. We have two up in space. There are two more that are going to go up in space. And it's literally the next family of satellites that helps provide us the weather data that saves lives. When you see those images of like the hurricanes, for example, or the nor'easter coming in here and the lightning that's showing, it's very crisp, it's very intense. That's the images we're getting back from these satellites. And so I did my first story on it in 2017. And I was just, just blown away because as a scientist, I had no idea there's so much going on in space, which is kind of the next generation way we're going. And so I did the story and then I started to do more stories and I started to talk to more people and realize that my gift of storytelling, that it's not as 
dived into yet in the space industry, especially a scientist reporting on science and space things. You can have a general reporter do that, but I already have a background like a lot of these engineers and scientists that are working on projects and they don't know how to tell a story because they can give you the scientific background and the textbook and everything that they would understand. But the person at home, the clients they're trying to talk to would have no idea what they're talking about. So I kind of like the challenge of being able to help tell those stories that you wouldn't think of a certain way to tell it. But the way my brain works, I can think of that next story or that next way to, to make something exciting and bring it close to home. And then I started to talk to people at NASA and the National Weather Service and NOAA and then SpaceX and Blue Origin. And next thing you know, I'm getting all of these people coming to me with story ideas. And now I'm privileged to be one, if not the only meteorologist that's really diving hard into the space reporting with a scientific background. That's phenomenal. And, and I think not enough attention is paid to the serious side of what goes on with space. It's, you know, we make a big deal about, oh, a rocket went off or that yes. kind of stuff. But and don't and, you know, not as not a lot of people geek as hard as you and I do on space. Yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> but but, you know, I, I think to your point, you know, there's there's not enough attention paid to what that space exploration and what that space work means to our everyday lives. It's not all about going to Mars. You know, it's it's just about, you know, when you get in your car and you've got your 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 cell phone and you're using GPS, you know, that GPS is that, that phone and that map that's on your screen is relying on a satellite that's up there. And that only right. works because we put it there. Yes. I mean, even like the the Starlinks, you know, like it's really cool to see the videos and the pictures of the little satellites going by. But if you knew what those satellites were doing and how people in rural areas now of the country that might have not had access to internet and things like that, these little satellites are helping. Or if somebody's trapped in an area where they need to get a hold of somebody, these satellites are helping so they could make that life-saving call. I mean, it's little stories like that that are really exciting, but you just have to tell it in the right way and have somebody help you tell that story. So it's really showing what's going on above us and bringing it literally right down here to earth. We just, uh, just passed International Day of Women and Girls in Science. Uh, and I have a daughter who is nine years old, who I'm raising to be as much of a space geek as I possibly can. Uh, and she's super smart. She's super smart. I'm her dad, but I'm also objective. She's super smart. Um, you know, let's talk a little bit about the, the opportunities for women and girls in STEM, especially in science and math, um, and the contributions that women have made over the years and what the future holds for women in these scientific uh, careers. I definitely think we're on the way up. There's a lot more women going into science now than when I graduated from college. And I'm sure 20, 30, 40 years ago, women that were trying to get into science and space careers. When I graduated, and that was in 2008, I was the only female meteorologist going into television in my graduating class. And I could probably count on my hand how many women in my meteorology um, class that were graduating were actually women. And now I see how many women are graduating in a class and I'm like, wow, this is incredible. This is awesome. So, you know, we're making really good strides and, you know, we're doing a lot more fundraising. There's a lot more scholarships, but I really think like, this is something we need to just continue to push and to work for because there still are a lot of stereotypes. I mean, I can even tell you personally, 
you know, I go and I host an event that's raising money for a charity for, you know, space or science or just, you know, like a big brother's big sisters. And instead of people focusing on what I'm talking about, they're focusing on my outfit. And oh, look, and it's like, yeah, I have to dress nice. But at the same time, like there's so much more that we're talking about, you know, and it, it has to go beyond looks because there are so many women out there that are in STEM fields and space fields. They're brilliant, but there's still, unfortunately, a lot of people that will judge us based on the way they look, we look or we dress. And it's really unfair because yes, that defines us and that's our style, but it shouldn't be the only thing people look at. And when you're hearing a woman and a man talk at the same time about something, if they're both degree, they have the same background, they have the same passion, they should be viewed the same and respected the same. And unfortunately, we still have issues with that. I know moving uh, now in this direction, but I have faith and I have hope that other women like myself and other men supporting women and, you know, bosses that are highlighting the women on their teams and saying, yeah, she's our CEO. She's taken my job. And it's, she's not just getting it because she's a woman. She's getting it because she's the most qualified and she knows what she's talking about. Yeah, what is you talk to groups uh, uh, regularly? You you do a lot of public speaking. Um, when you talk to groups of young women, what do you tell them? What do you what do, how do you encourage them to pursue their dreams? Whether it's whether it's science or math or any other STEM fields. I think I always tell them that, that you know you, you can't give up, and you're gonna have a lot of hard times. And anybody who writes a book or who says that it was a breeze and everything fell into place perfectly. There's a lot more to that story because if you just had a free ticket to the top, then you haven't really lived your life and you really haven't experienced all you need to experience because it's the struggle that makes us strong. And it's the, the times when we have to defy what people think of us and we have to take that uncomfortable step forward that makes us stronger than we've ever been before. And, you know, I always tell them, look for role models, you know, find women, whether it's on your local news in the community that you look up to, that you can reach out to, that you can have to, to be that positive experience that's going to keep you wanting to go forward. This recent school talk I just did to some third graders and the teacher wrote to me afterwards that four or five girls in his class, they want to start their own weather club because they're so excited in the weather. Yes, I was like, oh my gosh, this is fantastic. And I almost cried because I was like, just me being me and telling my story and sharing it with these girls. And now they're motivated by me doing one school talk. So we can't give up. We have to keep being these positive role models. But as women, especially in media, we also have to be positive role models and positive figures. And, um, and I say that because I've seen women that are in power positions that post pictures and videos like on their, their LinkedIn, they're professional, but then you go to their Instagram and it's like bikini shots and, you know, very sexual shots. And, you know, I, I get it. Like it's Instagram, but if there are these girls that are looking to Instagram for influencing and you're doing one thing during the day and another thing at night, you're really not setting a positive role model. Yeah, that is an inspiring place. Um, I think to conclude our conversation here. And I, and I think, uh, uh, speaking on behalf of the dads of all the daughters out there, we want to see our, our young ladies grow up, um, to be, uh, chasing their dreams, regardless of what their dreams are, 
Um, and, and I know plenty of young, young girls who are my daughter's age, my daughter's friends, and they're, yes, they're, they love their, you know, their phones and their social media and they do all that fun stuff, but they are brainy and they are smart and they are accomplished. And, and we need to do exactly what you were talking about, which is really support them, um, and, and provide a path to what they want to accomplish in life. I think that's our, uh, our job as the grownups you know, to bring the next generation along is just to clear the way for them and to say, yes. okay, you want to go after that? Fine. I'm going to, I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to make sure that you can, you can pursue that if that's the thing you want to do. Be um, beautiful and have brains, beauty and brains. It's a perfect combo. And when I say be beautiful, it's just being yourself and you're going to be beautiful in your own way. And I think a lot of girls don't understand that is they, they, again, they, I hate to use social media, but that's the world we live in. They look at some of these women that are all filters and the women aren't being real and they think that's how they have to be. But sometimes when you're just being yourself, you're being bold, you're being your own unique person. You are so beautiful and people will recognize that. And that's, that's what you should strive for to move forward is be bold and be beautiful and be brainy. <laughs> Excellent. Love. Oh, we're making t-shirts now. We're going to make t-shirts. That's great. Yes, let's do it. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been a great conversation. We're going to segue now into the rapid fire uh, question uh -oh. portion of our podcast this is where we have a little fun. We steal a page from inside the actor's studio. These questions meant to elicit a simple one or two word answer, just whatever your gut tells you uh, when okay. you hear the question. So here we go. Rapid fire question. Number one, what is your favorite news source? News 12. <laughs> I think I saw that one coming. All right. Rapid fire question. Number two, what's your favorite social media platform? Twitter. Love it. Rapid fire question. Number three, coffee or alcohol? I don't know. Um, Cause I love coffee every morning, but after work, sometimes I do like a good glass of peanut noir to relax. <laughs> there you go. All right. All right. Rapid fire question. Number four, uh, now, this is a reporter question and a, and, a, and a person in the field question. What's your favorite on-the-run food? Ooh, Chick-fil-A. <laughs> Ooh, there you go. All right. Drive through or walk up? Walk up, because then I'm burning calories in case I've been sitting in my car behind the computer all day. Win-win. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I see those, those drive-through those drive lines, and they've got to be a half an hour long. I think would imagine you have to go in. Yeah. It saves time. And then again, you're stretching your legs. So it's perfect. Excellent. And rapid fire question number five, what do you want to be after you finish this career? I think I want to be some kind of motivational coach and do presentations and, you know, actually get paid to go around and to talk to students, to talk to young women, to talk to women's organizations, or you're even to talk to um, companies and maybe do some consulting on storytelling because I really love it. And I think that's something where I can use all my experience, the good and the bad to help people with storytelling in space, in science, um, and, you know, sing on the side too, because I love to do that. <laughs> I was going to mention that, you know, I, and I thought that's what you were going to say is incorporate singing somehow, because you've got quite a singing voice and you're also a terrific <laughs> performer. I would definitely do that. I think I would go around, um, you know, I recently got to sing for the New York Islanders and that was cool because I had never sang in a National Hockey League game. So now I've sang for the NHL, the MLB and the, I've, and the, um, uh, gosh, when, oh, NFL, MLB and NHL. So there I have to sing 
I have been saying for the NBA. So come on, Nick, give me a call. <laughs> all right. All right. We'll, we'll call over to Barclays and see what we can do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sounds good. <laughs> Meredith, a great conversation here. Thank you so much for spending time with us. Please let people know how they can find you online. Yes, please reach out, especially if you have daughters that want to go into space or STEM or science. I'm here for you. I'm an open book, so I will make time, even if it's five minutes, to talk to your girls. Um, I'm all over social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. It's at my last name, Garofalo, G-A-R-O-F, it's in Frank, A-L-O, and then W-X, like weather, Garofalo, W-X, on all those platforms. And then I'm also on LinkedIn. LinkedIn's a great way to connect, too, especially for business stuff, because, uh, yeah, I um, I love meeting more people and telling more stories. So let's do it. <laughs> Wonderful. Meredith, thanks for spending so much time with us today. Congratulations on, on being here on Long Island. We look forward to lots of years of seeing you on our TV uh, and seeing you in space too, because we, we know that that's, uh, you're definitely going to be involved there. Oh, I'm going to be the first female meteorologist in space. There's been men, but there hasn't been a female meteorologist. So Let's get me up there. <laughs> All right. You heard it here first. We're going to call Elon Musk and, and uh, make that happen. Well, Perfect. thank you, Meredith. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Please remember to subscribe to the show. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The PR Podcast and send us a question or a comment. Our intro is by Christopher Apple. You can find him and his fantastic photography on Instagram at Christopher underscore A-P-P-O-L-D-T. Check him out there and hire him for all your photography needs. You can find me online at Jody Fisher on all the socials and on the web at jodyfisherpr.com. We'll see you next time on the PR Podcast.